Thank you for tuning in to True Dominion Ministries podcast. I am your host, Latanya Stevens, here today on January 17, 2019. I am here with a message from the Lord, and it's just simply reading John chapter 6 through 10 today. I pray that this blesses you. Please don't forget to go to our website at www.truedominionministries.com where you can visit our daily blog called Ask Yourself. Also, don't forget that every Monday is Motivational Music with Christopher Stevens. Please give us some feedback if this is blessing your life. And also, I am going to continue this series on as of Tuesday, January 22nd and Thursday, January 24th. And we're going to end the series, The Gospel of John. And I'm going to begin with chapter 6, beginning with Jesus Feeds 5,000. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he uh, already knew what he was going to do. And basically what Jesus was doing was strengthening Philip's faith by asking him that, by testing him of how they were going to solve this problem. And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with his this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. Then the men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miracle sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that, they were ready to force him to be their king. He slipped away into the hills himself. And what I want to say on that is you have to trust God to provide with what little you may have and multiply it. It's not all the time that we have what we need. We always need a little bit more of something. But you have to trust God in these days, especially these days and times. Trust God to provide for whatever it is that you need. Verse 16, we're talking about uh, Jesus walking on the water. And it states that evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gal swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. And what I want to say about this part is Jesus will show up in the storm of your life and show you he is always with you. No matter what you're going through, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, he is always there. He's always in arm, arm's reach and you don't have to really go looking for him. He's always there. 
in verse 22 is talking about Jesus is the true bread of heaven. And verse 22 states, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man get, can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. And please hear this. He says, believe in the one he has sent, meaning believe in Jesus. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they're while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those father, those the father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those who has given he has given me but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. The one thing that I want uh, to say about this is Jesus works in union with God and not independently. He is constantly repeating himself that he is here to do his father's will. He's here to do what his father did and to say what his father said. And so he has a mission. He has a purpose and he's stood by that purpose and that mission throughout the whole time that he was here on earth. And starting with verse 41, it's talking about the people disagree that Jesus is from heaven. And it reads, then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, and this is a long, uh, statement that he says so please pay attention he says stop complaining about what i said for no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me and at the last day i will raise them up as it is written in the scriptures they will be all be taught by god everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me not that anyone has ne ever seen the father only i who was sent from god have seen him 
And with that statement, he's saying no one can believe in no one can believe in Jesus without God's help. No one can believe in Jesus without God. You can't believe in one and not the other. And I know that there are some religions out there that do, um, but you just can't you you can't even have the whole entire Bible believing in just half of it. So um, on to verse 47, Jesus is still speaking and he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so that so the world may live is my flesh. What Jesus is offering is spiritual. It's not physical bread, but it's spiritual. He's offering himself. Jesus is offered as a spiritual bread. And in verse 52, it says, then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living father who sent me in the same way. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me i am the true bread that came down from heaven anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did even though they ate the manna but will live forever he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in capernaum his life had to become their own is what he's saying like you're not here just for you you're not here just to do what you want to do your life is not your own. Your breath is not even your own breath. And so we have to honor God and we have to respect the fact that, yes, he sent his son Jesus to fulfill uh, the prophecy in the New Testament. But on to verse 60, it's talking about beginning to talk about many disciples deserted Jesus. And it states, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And what I want to read is the um, commentary pertaining to that verse. It says, he refused to give into their self-centered requests. He emphasized faith not deeds his teachings were difficult to understand and some of his words were offensive i understand that um the bible is going to offend people it's supposed to the truth is always going to offend people who tell lies the truth is going to offend people who who do wrong or who live in their own will and do what do everything their way the bible is always going to offend you they're always going to try to find some type of loophole to to count god as a liar 
but my Bible says that he is not a liar and he is and, and the only one that is the father of lies is Satan himself. So on to verse 66, it says at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Issachar, one of the 12 who would later betray him. What I want to say is God will never come between you and your will. So this is why he asked the disciples, are you also going to leave? That further lets us know that God is, can't make you stay. He's not going to make you stay with him. He's not going to make you love him. He's not going to make you follow him. He's not going to make you read your Bible. He's not even going to make you pray. You have your own will and he has a will. And you have to submit yourself to his will and stop doing things your way. And then that's where you can find that peace. That's where you can find that comfort in him when you decide to follow him. Just as the disciples, he told the disciples, follow me, come and follow me. And all he's doing is telling you the same exact thing. Come and follow me. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. You're going to go through things, but follow me. But at any point that you feel that you can't follow me, at any point you feel like I'm not your father and you feel as if, you know, your the world is your home, then you that is your will. I might He might not like the fact that you've chosen the world over him, but he will not come in between you and your will. Going on to chapter 7. It's talking about Jesus's brothers ridicule him. And it begins by saying, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world for even his brothers didn't believe in him Jesus replied now is not the right time for me to go but you can go anytime the world can't hate you but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil you go on I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come after saying these things Jesus remained in Galilee and what I want to say about that is Jesus was not interested in being famous he was not interested in being liked by everybody he was not interested in being popular everyone won't believe in God and, and I just said that he's not going to do magic tricks and, and miracles and and things like that just so you he can have your approval he doesn't need your approval and we've established that in the verses uh in chapters one through five so now that we know that we he's not impressed by us okay and he's not impressed that um we want him to do things to to prove himself to us verse 10 um begins talking about jesus teaches openly at the temple and it states but after his brothers left for the festival jesus also went through secretly staying out of public view <laughs> Jesus did things, you know, on the low sometimes. And, and the thing about that is he didn't want attention. He didn't want people to notice him or even just come to him because of what he can do. He wanted people to love his father. He came because of his father and to do his father's will. And that's what he tried to make sure that people understood 
Verse 11 says the Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. This verse reminds me of today and it, it does remind me of today because we don't we don't take the opportunities to talk about God you know in in a way where we are proud of who we serve we are proud of who we follow we are proud of the work that he does and the work that he has done and a lot of times we feel like when we talk about God or we talk about being a believer that we are very passive about it and what I want to remind people with this is when no one spoke up for Jesus no one had his back no one was like no you know don't mess with him you know people were fearful and I understand in the times that that it was I understand their fear but at the same time they've seen this man and they've seen what he could do they've seen the spiritual side of him as as well as the human side of him and Jesus walked with compassion, so he didn't have problem healing people, but he wanted people to be healed because they believed. He wanted people to be healed because of his father, and they want, he wanted to show them who they were as well as children of God, um, or if they chose to be children of God. Today, when we see uh, leaders wearing their collars and their collars or their ministry wear, we have to remember that there were people in this Bible who were beheaded for serving God, who were beheaded for believing in Jesus. And if we don't remember that, then we're not doing any believers, God or Jesus, any type of service. If we don't honor and respect who we serve and why we serve. On to verse 14, it says, Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. He was a teacher first. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? They asked. So Jesus told them, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, you're a you're demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath, too, when you obey Moses law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. On to verse 4, 25. Some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is speaking in public and they say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he is the Messiah? But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from. When the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one will know where he comes from. You know, they call Jesus everything but the, or the son of God. 
and that's okay. People are going to call believers names. They're going to mock them and, you know, call us holier than thou. I'd rather be holy than anything else. I don't know about y'all, but <laughs> I'd rather be holy than anything else. I'd rather live the way that God told me to live. You know, God said be holy, so let's be holy. Um, verse 28 says, while Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, yes, you know me and you know where I come from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true and you don't know him, but I know him because I come from him and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. And I want to say, God is not going to let anything happen to you if it's not if it's not meant for you to happen to you. I know people don't believe that, you know, yes, bad things happen to good people. But if it's not your time, it's not your time. Verse uh, 31, many among the crowds at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? And it was like, what more do you want? What do you want? What more do you want Jesus to do before you can believe, before you can stop sinning, before you turn to him, before you turn from your wicked ways, whatever your outward sin is, whatever your inward sin is, what more do you want him to do? How many more times do you want him to save you from yourself and from the things that you inflict upon yourself? How many more times? Those are miracles. I know we haven't we haven't all seen legs and limbs grow back. I know that we all haven't seen blinded eyes open, but in some point of your life, at some point in your life, he has saved you from something. He has delivered you from something. At some point, you saw the hand of God. You might have not known it was God. You might have not acknowledged it was God. But at some point in your life, you if you reflect on your life, you could see where God saved you from something or someone. And so this is a question for you to ask what more do you want Jesus to do and I'm gonna go on to verse 32 and this is talking about the religious leaders attempt to arrest Jesus when the Pharisees heard that the crowds were whispering such things they and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest Jesus but Jesus told them I will be with you only a little longer then I will return to the one who sent me you will search for me but not find me and you cannot go where I am going the Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement where is he planning to go they asked is he thinking of leaving the country and going to going to the Jews in other lands maybe he will even teach the Greeks what does he mean when he says, you will search for me, but not find me, and you cannot go where I am going? On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living waters will flow from his heart. And those living waters are talking about eternal life. When he said living waters, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we've been expect expecting. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the, will the Messiah come from Galilee? 
For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. And the reason that was um, they focused mainly on his accent of being raised in Galilee. And they assumed, you know, he wasn't from Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. So as as you look at this, people will decide who you are by the way that you talk, by the way that you dress, by the way that you look and decide if you're worthy or not. And the key is not to allow people to dictate to you who you are or because of where you came from or because of where you was born or because of where where you grew up at or who your parents were or whatever the case may be. Be very careful about judging others. We know that we will be judged, but be careful about doing the same thing to others. In verse 45, he says, or it says, when the the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus. The leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? We have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded, have you been led astray to the Pharisees mocked? Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believe in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? He asked. They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. And basically what happened was Nicodemus exposed their motives. So don't be hypocritical as far as uh, your sins or um, the things that you judge everyone else from. And nine times out of 10, if you're judging that thing and someone else, it's because it was in you or it still is in you. And you recognize exactly what that person's doing. You recognize their actions because you also have the same actions or you also have the same sin that you're living with. And so don't be hypocritical in judging other people, whether whether it be where they came from or what they what it is that they do. Don't be so hypocritical. I know we all need to work on that. We all need to get it together and worry about what God wants us to do and not worry about what he is having others do, because everybody shouldn't be doing everything the same but everybody should be saying the same thing, if that makes sense to y'all. In chapter eight, we begin talking about Jesus forgives an adulterous woman. It reads, Jesus returned to the Mountain of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put in front of the crowd, they put her in front of the crowd, teacher they said to jesus this woman was caught in the act of adultery the law of moses said to stone her what do you say they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him but jesus stopped down stooped down and wrote in the dust with her with his fingers they kept demanding an answer so he stood up again and said all right but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. 
go and sin no more. Be careful of the way that you judge people once again. Be very careful of the way that you judge people, especially in ministry, because everyone's test is not going to look the same. Some, it takes longer for some people to get it than others. And God allows us time to get it right. He He gives us time. He gives us, he, he's very patient with us, may I add. He's very patient with us. And when he's patient with us, he's showing his compassion. He's showing his forgiveness when we turn away from a thing. And when we're given tests, we're given tests at different times of our lives. We are given tests, you know, some are given tests when they're younger and some are given tests in the middle and some are given tests in their latter years. And we have to just be very careful because we don't know that path that God has chosen for anybody, including ourselves. There are some things that we will do that we thought we would never do. There are some things that we will get into that we don't know how we got into it, but it was the hand of God. And some things we are delivered from because we position ourselves to be delivered from and some people they have to you know get to the bottom of the barrel um, before they learn and so just be very careful on how you judge someone because you don't know what's going on in that person's life or what path the Lord may be taking them down for them to get out of whatever they're in verse 12 is talking about Jesus is the light of the world and it reads, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And I'm going to read that again. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness and my father who sent me is the other. Where is your father? They asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because this time had his time has not yet come. And God is Jesus witness. He, he didn't need he don't need nobody to validate him. <laughs> in verse 21 is Jesus warns of the coming judgment. And it reads, later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me, but but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I am going. Jesus continued. You are from below and I am from above. And I'm gonna let y'all get that. <laughs> you are from below and I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only that what I have heard from the one who sent me and he is completely truthful but they still didn't understand what he was talking about his that he was talking about his father 
So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. You know, we are given the freedom to believe, but that doesn't mean that we have we have the freedom to do whatever we want to do. We are we have been given the freedom to believe. And because we are given the freedom to believe, which means we can research the scriptures, we can study the scriptures, we can read different types of books. We, we have pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists. We have these people that we can go to for answers if things, you know, th that we read, we don't understand. And when he has given us the, the, the freedom to believe and also the freedom to, to just love on him and to pray and to worship and to, to honor him and to glorify him, you know, I believe before we leave this earth, as he told them, you know, you will die in your sins before we leave this earth. I truly believe that we will all be given the opportunity to follow him. We will all be given the opportunity to repent. We will all be given the opportunity to turn away from our wicked ways and follow him. And there's not one person that I believe in this world that has not had that opportunity. Even people who are subject to countries who who are made to believe one thing or be killed you that is an opportunity I know that sounds harsh but that is an opportunity to say no I will not serve any other God no I will not bow down to your God because if you read this Bible he is giving you the opportunity. He he came here to tell you who he is and, and who his father is so that we could better understand what he wants from us and what are we are what we are to do while we are here on earth. And if we don't take the initiative to do and to be everything that he has called us to be, then we are basically throwing our opportunity in the trash along with our beliefs. In verse 31, um, it's starting to talk about Jesus speaks about God's true children. And this goes along with what I just said. It reads, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham. They said, we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will be set free. Jesus replied. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin or a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the ch children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are Im imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your true father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? 
It's because you can't even hear me for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin. Since I am telling you the truth why don't you believe me anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God but you don't listen because you don't belong to God and on that note I'm going to simply ask you a question who is your true father your true father is the one that you imitate is what he's saying whatever you say that you are your actions is going to is going to show exactly who you serve. Make no mistake about it. You don't have to pretend even if you are pretending the truth will come out because it has to. It, it is the truth is always revealed. I don't care if it's five minutes from now or five years from now or 50 years from now. The truth is always revealed in its own way. In verse 48 is talking about Jesus states he is eternal and it reads the people retorted, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. And he's talking about a spiritual death. In verse 52, the people said, now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be a great, I would be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. And I'm going to read a commentary here concerning that verse. It says, the Jewish leaders tried to stone Jesus for blasphemy because he claimed equality with God, but Jesus is God. They well understood what Jesus was claiming, and because they didn't believe he was God, they charged him with blasphemy. It is ironic that they were really the blasphemers cursing and attacking the very God they claim to serve. See what I mean? They were willing to kill the God that they say they serve, his son. So how do you know him? How do you know Jesus? How do you how can you say that you know him when you're willing to do the opposite of him? And on to chapter nine, almost done here. And this is about Jesus heals the man who was born blind. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? 
and they asked that because it was believed in a in Jewish culture that if you had a disability that it was because of your sins or your parents sins in verse 3 he says it was not because of his sins or his parents sins Jesus answered this happened so the power of God could be seen in him we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us the night is coming and then no one can work but while I am here in the world I am the light of the world could it be possible that blinded eyes are waiting on us and that's the question that I want to ask could it be that blinded eyes are waiting on us so that God can get the glory I thought about that as I was reading this and you know, when he when the, he said it wasn't because of their sins, but it was because of the power of God. So the power of God could be seen in him and that we must carry out our tasks and that are assigned to us quickly because there will come a day when no one will be able to do this. Um, and it, it, the question is, could it be possible that blinded eyes are waiting on us? Could it be possible that these disabilities are waiting on us to, to be healed so that the power of God can be seen and God gets the glory for it. And in verse six, it says, then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Salome. Salome means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other. Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know. He replied. God at this point in time was using this man's suffering to teach about faith and to glorify God. As I said before, this was so God can get the glory. Okay. This was so God can get the glory. We are supposed to see blinded eyes open. We are supposed to see uh, the cripple be able to get up and walk. We are supposed to see spines, you know, align themselves in the right way. We are supposed to see the Holy Spirit in action. We are supposed to see God in action. And it is a problem when we live in today's world and we don't see it or we don't see either. We don't see it at all or we barely see it. It's like a once in a lifetime thing. And that shouldn't be because that's not how God created us. He created us and gave us the power, the authority and the dominion of this world. And because we have that and because we were freely given that. It is a question as to what are we doing wrong? What, what, why haven't we seen that? I would second guess something if I hadn't seen it. And I think that's natural for any human to do, but we have to ask ourselves, what are we missing? And what we are missing, we are missing prayer. We're, we're missing the whole formula. We're missing prayer. We're missing con consecration. We're missing fasting for real. And I'm talking about no food, no water. We're missing those things. And that's why we're not seeing the manifestation. And not only that, we're missing believing in what the word says, most importantly. And so I'm going to go on to uh, verse 13, and it's about the religious leaders questioning the blind man still. 
Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about all about it. So he told them he put the mud over my eyes. And when I washed it away, I could see some of the Pharisees said this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jesus the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can how can he now see his parents replied? He we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him ask him he is old enough to speak for himself his parents said this because they were afraid of the jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying jesus was the messiah would be expelled from the synagogue that's why they said he is old enough ask him so for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him god should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner I don't know whether he is a sinner the man replied but I know this I was blind and now I can see but what did he do they asked how did he heal you look the man exclaimed I told you once didn't you listen why do you want to hear it again do you want to become his disciples too then they cursed him and said you are his disciple but we are disciples of Moses we know God spoke to Moses but we don't even know where this man came from. And on that note, his testimony made him a disciple. Because the, the, the word says that, well, the Bible says that we overcome by the words of our testimony. And this was a testimony from him. And because it was a testimony, he became a disciple. He became a believer. And because of that, that's why they said, do you, uh, you are his disciple. He told them the man they called Jesus and they told him what he did on to verse 30. Why, why that's very strange. The man replied, he healed my eyes and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready for he to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner. They answered, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue, threw him out of the church, threw him, just threw him out. And people may throw you away, but Jesus never will. If you truly serve him, you truly want him, you truly want to, 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 to be his child, He's not going to throw you away that people the way that people did. I thank God that people are not ruler over me, but that m my God is, and He sent His Son for me. So I'm I'm happy about that. I don't know about you, but you know, if you depend on people to have your back and to stand up for you and to believe you when God says something, <laughs> that's just the world we live in, and that's who people are. People are going to be people. In verse 35, it's talking about Jesus teaches about spiritual blindness. He says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. 
You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. This man received uh, physical and spiritual sight, while others who had natural sight or physical sight became blind spiritually. And that's the point of this passage. Don't think yourself to be so self. Don't be so self-righteous to think that you are right about everything. Don't be so self-righteous that you can't learn from others or you can't be taught anything. Just because you've been reading your Bible since 1965 does not mean that someone from the millennials cannot teach you something or show you something that you have never seen before through the word of God. Now we are on our last chapter. This is chapter 10. And this begins with Jesus is the good shepherd. And this is a lot of him talking. So it's much of him. And I'm going to go ahead and begin with that. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and, to, and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. We know it's the devil that he's talking about when he says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired man will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep the good shepherd loves us and the false preachers and the false teachers have no commitment to us or to God's word and I just wanted to say that in verse 14 he says I am the good shepherd I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father so I sacrifice my life for the sheep I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be no there will be one flock with one shepherd. For the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it ag back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. And basically no one could kill Jesus without God's consent. Nobody can take Jesus out <laughs> without God saying yes. Okay. 
when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon possessed and out of his mind. While listening to while listening to a man like that, others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And what was happening was that they weren't able to see beyond Jesus's humanness. They wasn't able to see beyond the man. And it caused them to be blind. It caused them to be spiritually blind and dumb at the same time. <laughs> Don't be so caught up into what you see and what you can't see. No, we can't see Jesus physically. We can't see God physically. And a lot of uh, non-believers, I'll say it that way, will counteract on that because they can't see him how can you believe in someone you can't see well how can you believe in someone you do see you believe someone won't steal from you but it doesn't mean that they won't <laughs> you believe someone won't cheat on you but it doesn't believe that doesn't mean that they can't so don't get so caught up into the physical sight don't get so caught up into to just being able to see a thing because sometimes what you see can fool you. You know, that's why some people have multiple personalities because <laughs> they can fool you. They can they can be chameleons and be whatever it is that you want them to be for that time frame that they know you or around you or whatever it is that they want from you. And so just be very careful when it comes to, you know, judging something just because you can or can't see a thing. Verse 22 is starting to talk about the religious leaders surround Jesus at the temple. And it was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand the father and I are one and when he says no one he means no one no one can statue from Jesus okay once again the people picked up stones to kill him Jesus said at my father's direction I have done many good works for which one are you going to stone me they replied we're stoning you not for any good work but for blasphemy you a mere man claim to be God Jesus replied it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods and you know that scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the God? I am of God. After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while and many followed him John didn't perform miraculous signs they remarked to one another but 
everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. And that is the end of chapter 10. And I will resume on Tuesday with chapter 11 through 15. And before I go, I just want to say that Jesus no longer has to prove himself. God has, no longer has to prove himself to you. If you struggle with your faith, if you struggle with fighting certain demons and getting yourself rid of certain things and bad habits and so forth, you can have a conversation with him and he'll talk back to you and he will let you know what it is that you need to do. He'll let you know what it is that he's going to do for you, but you have to invite him in. You have to have that conversation. You can't just sit there and think that he's going to come to you. Like I said before, he is not going to come between you and your will. And because he gave you the free will, he, because he, he woke you up every morning in your right mind, I think you owe at least that to him to, to give him a chance and to go and say, okay, what is it about you? Okay, Father, I, I don't believe. I don't believe in this. How can I believe? And maybe he'll give you a scripture. Maybe he'll send someone in your life to, to tell you the good news. Maybe he'll send someone into your life to be a testimony of what he has done in their life. But either way, he will always show you. He will always reveal himself to you, but you have to invite him in. He's not going to push himself on you. He's not going to force you to like him, to love him, to obey him. Those things you have to be able to do on your own and want to do with your own free will. And so I just pray that these chapters six through 10 have really enlightened you to some things. God gave me this uh, assignment to read. And that's what I, I'm doing as much as I wanted to turn it into something else with my own flesh. He said, no, you read it because you can't retell my story better than I have already told it. And so because of that reason, I can obey. And because of what he said, because he just said, do it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to obey him because I don't know what ears are listening to this podcast. I don't know what heart is turning from their sin by listening to this podcast. Or maybe God has already spoken to you through the through his own word that I didn't need to say anything extra. And I didn't need to come up with catchy phrases or or my own personality to get you to love on him or to get you to repent to him of your sins and ask him to forgive you of your sins whatever was said today I, I hope and I pray that it blessed you I hope and I pray that he spoke to you on today for whatever reason whatever you're going through whatever your circumstances that he spoke to you himself and that you didn't have to hear it from me. But I thank you and I thank him for using me for such a time as this. God bless you on today. Thank you for tuning in to True Dominion Ministries podcast again. And like I said, this series will continue next Tuesday and Thursday, um, which is the 22nd and the 24th. And we will um, complete this as of the 24th stay tuned to monday motivational music with christopher stevens as he brings you his gospel rap and a message in that as well god bless you on today